0: Welcome to Bread and Thread a podcast about food and domestic history. I'm Liz.
1: I'm Hazel. We're two people who studied archaeology together and
0: love history. So Hazel, what have you been making since our last episode? Um. Oh yeah, that was the thing. Um. I
1: have been doing a bit more spinning, and um. I had a thing that I was going to say. Um.
0: What was it? Was it the wine that you tweeted?
1: It was not wine. Oh, I did finish my wine. Though. Well, I say finish. I didn't do anything. It finished fermenting. <laughs> and then I um, siphoned it off into bottles from the Demijohn, which was a surprisingly messy process because you have to... I would have thought technology would be more advanced by now, but you basically use a tube where you have to suck the air out for the wine to be like siphoned off oh yeah so it's like physics it's kind of cool but you do get wine all over you which depending on how much you like wine may or may not be bad
0: But presumably you also get like a little bit of a taste of it yes
1: i was kind of worried at first because it tasted i thought it was going to be a bit vinegary but um it's actually all right i think it needs a bit more aging maybe um but we tried some out and it's, it's decent. I mean, it's wine and it's certainly drinkable. Um,
0: that is the main requirement for a beverage.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's quite, it's kind of sweet and sharp at the same time. Um, it's oh. quite nice, actually. It's grown on me. Um, it's, yeah, I mean, I've only ever met one wine I couldn't drink. And that was the free bottle that we got in the college pub quiz at uni. Um, which i then accidentally broke all over my carpet when we moved out of um uni accommodation and tried to hoover it up with the henry hoover so
0: and how did that go
1: i worked <laughs> but i wouldn't want to be the next person to use that henry hoover
0: no i think you probably killed henry <laughs> no
1: <laughs> did i <get laughs> henry fatally drunk <laughs> Um, anyway, the wine's nice, so... That's alright, then. <laughs> I, made, I made blackberry wine. Uh, what about you?
0: Um, I have been getting back into Granny Squares.
2: Ooh,
0: I, I've been feeling very broody lately, and, like, okay. not anywhere near the point where I can do anything about it, but I'm channeling it into making some single blankets for the future. Are you, are you nesting? I am nesting. Excellent. How big is I
2: don't a, think I'm gonna be. Um, just, just a couple of single ones. So like oh, cool. Like five by seven kind of large squares. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think if I've baked anything. I must have baked something. What I was going to say
1: earlier, which is that I have dye seeds and I'm going to try and grow dye plants. Um, oh, cool. I've got some madder, dyes greenweed and woad, which isn't as difficult to grow as I thought it was, apparently.
0: Well, um, woad
2: just kind of shows up, doesn't it? Kind of, it's kind of a weed. <laughs> I didn't realise that. So, saying about yarn
0: and things, I believe you've been researching Shetland lace? Yeah, I have indeed. Um. So,
1: this is a really, really cool historical aspect. I guess. I mean, it's still a thing, so that's cool. Um, the both of us kind of are already familiar with Shetland lace as knitters. I you made a Shetland lace wedding shawl.
0: I did. It was bright blue and very soft because it was merino. It was so cool. And it was was also a pain in the behind.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so um, just for anyone who's not come across it, um, Shetland Lace is a style of knitting from the Shetland Islands at the very north of Scotland. And it's very delicate, open work knitting. That's often the the main things that you make with it. So often... do you just want
0: to define open work?
1: Sure, so you're it's basically the the garment has got lots of holes in it, but on purpose. And it makes like a, a pattern like lace.
0: Um, yeah, if if you think of a an even more elaborate doily. Yeah,
1: I guess.
0: That that's it's I mean doilies wear. are most people's reference point for the concept of lace i think
1: yeah okay so it's like um it's that kind of fabric um traditionally they're made from the wool of shetland sheep and it's that shawls especially they're very very delicate they're made from like really thin wool on tiny tiny needles um i have got a shetland lace project that i'm doing i've been doing for quite a while um, which is on like two millimetre needles with cobweb weight thread, or uh, yarn. It's, yeah. It's I mean, cobweb
0: weight is basically just thread, isn't it? Yeah,
1: yeah, basically. Um. I mean, I can't even spin that then. Um. So they're made with this very thin wool. Um. They are mostly garter stitch. They're fiendishly difficult because they're patterned on both sides. So normally where you would get where you were knitting lace you would get one side where you just did like a plain stitch but you have to do the lace stitch on both sides on tiny needles with tiny yarn um is yeah it's just really really difficult and they have this specific construction um where traditionally you would start by knitting the border and then work inwards although I, some modern patterns i think go the other way where you do the middle first and then knit the border on.
0: Uh, Yeah, my shawl was middle first.
1: So the shawls are probably the one that's most known for. The most famous one is the wedding ring shawl, um, which is when some of them are so white they're up to like two meters wide, but you can pull them through a wedding ring. Because they're so fine, which is amazing. Um Lizard fits through a wedding ring. I've seen it. So they're made from the wool of the Shetland sheep, which is a native breed to the Shetland Islands, and it's one of the finest British sheep breeds. Um so the wool has like a really nice crimp, a really nice kind of curl to it that keeps that traps the heat because when it's spun into a yarn it has these air pockets which the heat gets into and it has like a really cool a really nice soft halo around it which makes it really good for fine work like shawl so when you say
0: sorry when you say that the sheep themselves are fine like, by what criteria? is that like what, what makes a sheep attractive?
2: I mean I,
1: I like a good sheep You know, personally, I would just be like, that is a fine sheep.
0: (laughs) It may be controversial, but my favourite breed of sheep is the blackface. Because they're just really, really cute with their tiny, tiny faces. (laughs) They're so fuzzy.
1: Oh, I mean, the South Downs have, like, really kind of chubby teddy bear faces, which is adorable. Like, those are some of my favourites, but... Shetland are quite they're very hardy as you would probably expect Um, Shetland does not have the most famously nice climate Um, and the finest wool comes from like the throat and the underbelly of the sheep so that would be combed out for the shawls traditionally Um, so apparently I mean, we don't know. It's kind of shrouded in the mists of time, but Shouled. knitting oh, shawled in the mists of time. <laughs> but knitting supposedly came over to the islands from Scandinavia in the fifteen hundreds. Um, I can't. Remember, were the islands owned by Scandinavia that, at that time, or was that
0: uh, Norway? Like, I think I okay, sweet. Oh, that oh. might be Orkney. I'm. I'm sure the Shetlands have some connection to to. to I think Norway. they do. I'm sure there's some like.
1: Um, there's definitely some like Viking old old Scandinavian names. In the Shetland Islands.
0: Um, but I mean, the the north of Scotland did have a lot of Viking influence generally, so. it Oh, there make were sense.
1: Vikings just all over the shop. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um.
1: So it's thought that that's how knitting came to the islands. Um, And then by the 18th century, there are records of Shetland Islanders being involved in the hosiery industry, the most exciting of industries, uh, making stockings, uh, both coarse and fine stockings to be sold all over the British Isles and by I think the late nineteenth century is estimated about twenty percent, or, or even two thirds of the islanders were involved in the stocking trade.
0: But that's that's a lot because that's that's more than just like a gender split. That's just a lot of like the majority of families.
1: Yeah, that's a lot. I mean, by that time, I guess the knitting machine had been invented. So or like the, the kind of hand operated knitting machine. So mm. yeah, I guess you would have a lot of people involved. Um Shetland lace as a thing didn't really become famous until it became associated with Queen Victoria. Ah! So in 1837, Arthur Anderson, who randomly is the founder of Piano Ferries, presented a few examples of Shetland lacework to Queen Victoria. Uh, he gave her some stockings, and she immediately ordered 12 more pairs of stockings. And then she basically became a fan, and she was often seen in shawls from Shetland and like other knitted garments and um, she's often, actually, I think, in photos, wearing a white shawl, which is a Shetland shawl. And the white work was quite popular to have, like, white lace shawls. So then that became... So is
0: white work just stuff that is white?
1: Yeah, literally just white goods. Um, so then that became really fashionable because... Everybody likes to copy the Queen, Um, although Queen Elizabeth II's fashion for headscarves hasn't really caught on, but in quite the same I'm sorry,
0: when is the last time you've seen an old lady not wearing a headscarf?
1: Yeah, but is that, I mean, you can't know that they're all doing it because of the Queen.
0: That's true, it could just be the Queen's doing it because she's an old lady.
1: Oh, which came first?
0: <laughs> it's the big question.
1: <laughs> asking the big questions on Bread and Thread podcast. Although I d- I have seen like quite a few older ladies in Liverpool in the supermarket and they're curlers. So maybe I mean, that's, that's just Liverpool. Just another thing. Yeah, maybe so. <laughs> I've never seen the Queen do that, but... <laughs> I mean, okay, I grew no. up in
0: Warrington, where people
2: would just go to the supermarket in their pajamas
1: That's fine, though, right?
2: That's not just... the corner shop, the
0: big supermarket you have to drive to.
1: I feel like that could easily have be been me. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: I did I i'm did I'm not this.
0: judging. I'm just saying it's a thing.
1: <laughs> I've definitely been to the corner shop in my pajamas and dressing gown. <laughs> I did put like outside shoes on though which was very mature of me. Mm. <laughs> so with the patronage of Queen Victoria, Shetland lace work became really fashionable, especially the shawls, and they commanded really high prices as they were so so delicate and so incredibly fine and time-consuming to make.
0: But as you Uh, might. Back when artists were paid what their work was worth.
1: Ah, yeah, mm, about that. (laughs) Oh.
0: (laughs) Of course. (laughs) Exploitation.
1: (laughs) Yeah. um, So, thanks to uh, our good friend capitalism, um, as you might expect, the actual knitters in Shetland didn't make that much money from their work. Um, It was definitely a vital source of household income and a way to earn extra money to support their families, but they rarely had the chance to sell directly themselves, obviously being in the Shetland Islands, which is quite difficult to get to. Mm -hmm. Um, Often kind of brokers or middlemen would come round and buy the shawls. Or they would take them into like a local shop that could be traded for goods, or they could be paid by the shop, which would then sell them on. So, unfortunately, the makers of these incredible delicate items probably didn't get paid what they were worth, um, and certainly not a, a proportionate percentage of the price
2: that they would be sold for, like in London. Yeah, that tracks um but a pretty significant proportion of
1: the Shetland Islands was involved in making them I think um I've seen a lot of really cool photos I'll try and um post some to the Twitter or get some links of um women outside their cottages with these big frames for dressing shawls so like when they were finished, um, because with lace work, you can't really see the pattern until you have blocked it, which is when you get it wet and then you pin it all out so that it dries in a stretched position so that you can see all of the little holes properly. So because these shawls were so massive, they were basically block them on these big frames and leave them to dry outside. So I'll try and track down the picture of that because it's really cool. Um, And the patterns of these shawls um, and the tops of the stockings and things have these really lovely names that kind of reflect the Shetland landscape, like Printed the Wave, Old Shale, Cat's Paw, Fern or Candlelight. um, Those
0: are lovely. It's very
1: cool. Um, and often, uh, most of the time, people wouldn't even be using a pattern like these would just be passed down by generations in like the female side, um, just having these incredible patterns in their head, um, which they would then just knit up in whatever configuration they liked into these shawls the earliest piece that's in the Shetland Museum which I desperately want to go to one day is a christening shawl from
0: 1837 Maybe um, when we get enough patrons we can yeah. we can take a trip. Oh yeah, a research trip Woo. Uh, there's <laughs> also like I
1: think it's called the Anst Cultural Heritage Museum or something like? um, in Anst be really cool to go to. mm-hmm. So, throughout the 19th century, these shawls were really, really popular, but at a certain point in the 20th century, wearing shawls kind of went out of fashion, which, if you ask me, is a shame, because it's basically a blanket that you can wear. I mean, who wouldn't?
0: Yeah, I have been seen wearing shawls to work before now, and that's not going to change.
1: You're a fashion icon, and I salute you. (laughs) um yeah i i've also worn shawls on occasion and i like as a knitter making shawls is fun and you want to wear them but also yeah they're kind of great so bring shawls back
0: that is that is our podcast's real mission
1: (laughs) that is the the agenda to bring back shawls and cloaks
0: i do have a cloak i made made a cloak It's very good. It's got armholes so I can just like be all cozy. And then if I (laughs) want to grab something, I just poke out like a snail. Oh, like a really warm tortoise. It's a good time. That's great. Um,
1: Yeah. So wearing, but wearing shawls went out of fashion in the 20th century. And so the demand for those kind of hand knitted goods dropped. Um, but I did find this out and I had never heard this before. In the 1920s, these blouses of Shetland lace work became popular as knitters on the island tried to update their stock essentially to reflect modern trends. And so there are these amazing, I'll link to this as well, uh, the Victorian Albert Museum have these amazing Shetland lace blouses, which were considered really daring at the time because, obviously, it's full of holes. Well, so, yeah. Yeah, you have you to wear, see like, a underwear or something underneath it. Um, and they're, just, they're beautiful. I mean, I would 100% wear one today. Um, so, yeah, that can, that, but still using those traditional patterns. And lacework. So that continued on into the 1920s. Um, unfortunately, shawls not being completely back in fashion. Um, and
2: also now, with people, with the
1: push for people to get paid um, <laughs> for what they're actually doing, uh, a hand knitted real Shetland shawl now costs a lot of money um which is fair but
0: well yeah i mean even just getting enough of that delicate wool spun to make one must take what weeks
1: oh yeah i mean i don't know if you can still get one that is made from hand spun as it would traditionally be from hand spun wool um you probably Maybe you can somewhere. I would think you probably couldn't unless it was just made for you by someone who wanted to. Mm. Um,
2: but I think there are a few people who who still make and sell the knitted shawls. Um, so
1: although it's not in fashion today, it's uh, still around as... Uh, it, it still retains its cultural significance. Um, it's still quite well known in Shetland and I think the Queen of Norway was given a Shetland shawl as a present when she opened the Shetland Museum in 2007. That's um, really cool. Yeah, it is really cool. And there are quite a few modern knitwear designers that use Shetland lace pattern. So I'm going to give you some my favorite ones that I've found, and it's now kind of in in knitting circles, the coolest circles it is it's kind of a a challenge to make a Shetland lace shawl
0: like having it, made one, I can confirm it is challenge mode
1: <laughs> it's a bit of a bucket list thing for a lot of knitters, mm. and there are some absolutely incredible patterns out there, um, like the the heirloom knitting forum. Has created free patterns of a few um, traditional designs based on pieces from the Shetland Museum, <coughs> or from the, <coughs> or from the Arts Museum. And these things are like massive, tiny needles, just thousands of meters of thread- of yarn. Um, like those are proper show off pieces um Kate Davies um he's quite a well-known designer uses a lot of Shetland patterns she's the designer of the owl sweater the owl jumper um and a lot of the elements are incorporated into modern patterns um and modern designs um one of the main tailors um of Shetland wool today is a company called Jameson and Smith who purchase about 80% of the Shetland wool crop so wow. there's still yeah that's sort of keeping the keeping the sheep industry going and um, and they describe themselves as a wool broker so they buy up the wool from the farms from the crofts and then they produce their own yarns so they produce knitting yarns and um, they also do the specialist yarns for Shetland lace, the really thin ones. Mm-hmm. And Then they also will sell the wool they don't use on to companies who will make it into clothing, into rugs, um, things like that. Um, so yeah, here
2: we are in the modern day and Shetland lace is still going that's really cool I didn't know it was still such a big thing
1: Um, yeah it's still an industry I think
2: the knitting itself um is not so much
1: like a big industry anymore as like a cultural kind of thing I mean I could be wrong um
0: wasn't able If you're to- from Shetland, let us know.
1: Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Please do. Um, but definitely the production of Shetland Wool and it, its quality is still as good as it ever was, I guess. So, um, yeah, I think it's really cool that that's still going and that company is still based in Shetland and sort of keeping that alive, um, which is great oh i forgot my favorite fun fact that i found out as well um okay this is not a connection that i would ever have thought to make but in 1897 queen victoria presented a shetland lace shawl as a gift to harriet tubman
2: oh wow that's so cool is that's probably my favorite fact of this week
1: <laughs> yeah that about uh wraps it up for my short history of shetland
0: lace cool so before we move on to local ladder, um i just want to talk about our patreon um so if if you do want to support us you can do it at patreon.com slash bread um, Cool if um, so you can support us at different tiers so at one pound a month um, you get access to our discord server um, where we just talk about various things that we're making just trying to build a community of makers and crafters at five dollars or pounds whatever currency um, we will be posting patron exclusive. Recipes and possibly patterns um, For you to have a go yourself Yeah, I'm going to try and do some patterns There's currently the recipe for my banoffee cookies from last episode up there I want that! (laughs) (laughs) Well, you can have it for free Um, Or at 10 monies per month Um, We're going to be posting monthly instructional videos
2: for various cooking and crafting things so you can learn how to do these things yourself and if you do make anything please tweet tweet us at bread and
0: thread we would love to see what our listeners are up to
2: i
1: mean i can't i can't 100 promise that any instructional videos i make will be like you know foolproof but
2: they will be entertaining (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so, um, for our local food
0: portion, I've been looking at stargazy pie
2: um,
1: this is exciting, okay, I know what this is, but i I've never like seen or eaten one. And I don't know anything about it, so
0: so a stargazy pie is. Um, supposedly is from the town of. Well, it's spelt Mousehole, but I believe it's pronounced Mosel.
1: I think it's like that Mosel or Mousel. Because I remember reading a a book, a children's book, about a cat who lived in, in Mousel.
0: Does seem like a good place for a cat to live, and you'll find out why in a minute. Um,. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's, it's a delicious pie. It contains fish, potato, grated egg, various mm. herbs and spices, and fish heads poking out of the crust.
2: Okay. Yeah. Um, as though they are gazing at the sky. That's random. So, do you want the historical stuff, or do you want the legend first?
1: Oh, definitely the legends. Like this is what I want to believe. So,
0: so the story goes that there was a fisherman in Mausel named Tom Bawcock. That's B A W C O C K. Sorry, what? Tom Bawcock. I don't know why you're laughing. This is a clean podcast. <laughs> um. So the legend goes that the village was facing starvation. Because there just hadn't been enough successful fishing trips lately. He sailed out into a violent storm facing certain doom. And instead returned with a huge catch of seven different types of fish. Which were made into a pie and shared amongst the the townsfolk. It's, It's a story that's actually celebrated every
2: 23rd of December. Um... In a pub in Mousel Um where they make the this pie with seven kinds of fish and sing a song which
0: I will put a link to in the show notes about Tom and his
2: saving of the town. <laughs> I'm I'm so glad Balcock was saved. He is the hero of Mousel and <laughs> I love and support him.
1: <laughs> we we love ballcock we do <laughs> i the best things happen in pubs like there's a pub in lewis that has a national pea throwing competition
2: like shelled peas or just whole like pods oh no like the, the i don't know why i shell. need to know Yeah. Say
1: again. The peas themselves. Yeah, you just like you just like eat them. I guess
2: <laughs> <laughs> you, you eat the peas. Of course.
1: Yeah. Anyway, that is a great story.
2: So more historically, um, the this pie goes back to at least um, the at least 1800s. A
0: reference to it appears in The Journals of Captain Frederick Hoffman, um, who mentions a pie made of pilchards with their heads peeping through the name.
2: Um,
1: Everyone in this tale have such a good name.
2: They really do, don't they? Um, And yeah, he talks about He basically compares
0: this pie to potted flying fish that he encountered in Barbados. And he basically talks about how he's worried that, you know, there's there's similarities of cuisine between the two places, but he doesn't think that he'd he'd be able to get stargazy pie
2: outside of Cornwall. Um, it also appears in Halliwell's
0: Dictionary of Archaic And Provincial Words In 1847
2: oh, Which also mentions that. putting
0: leaks in the pie Which <laughs> I haven't come across Outside of this dictionary <laughs> Just J.O. Halliwell Is like, no, you put leaks in this There's no, Maybe no evidence for leaks Anywhere else We didn't
2: Maybe it's nicer with leeks.
1: Maybe. Sometimes you've just got to
2: take a leek. Um, But it is still made today, not just um, for this
0: celebration in Mausol. It's kind of a display dish that you might make just kind of like, hey, look what I did. Kind of like how we were talking about the pond pudding last week as being kind of a it's a thing to put in the middle of the table as much as it is a thing to eat.
1: I guess, I mean, I imagine that you probably wouldn't, I mean, especially nowadays when you don't generally pick up fish heads at the supermarket.
2: I mean, that's the advantage of pilchers is they're they're quite easy to buy whole. Okay, cool. I stand corrected. Yeah, it's it's pilchards is is just another. It's kind of a
0: sardine adjacent. (laughs) Um, They they're generally used interchangeably, but they are. It's kind of regional which one you use. I I'm more used to calling them pilchards because I'm
2: from north. Okay. But it's it's basically a sardine and potato pie. Oh, okay, yeah,
1: I I get that, I get that. Oh, that's, I mean, they're not very big, are they, sardines?
0: No, you you tend to get a decent number poking out. Oh, quite often seven because of the story.
1: Okay, that makes more sense. Cause I was imagining like big fish heads, and then I thought, what if they're sardines, which are tiny? Is it going to be just like a few, or is it going to be like a forest of fish?
2: Yeah, a lot of the pictures I've seen, there's kind of a ring of them around the outside of the pie. Kind of seven or eight. That's a decent number. Yeah, I mean, it's it's quite convenient.
0: In um, Dorothy Hartley's Food in England from 1953, she actually suggests cutting the pie between the fish in order to portion it.
1: That is a good idea. It's like when you get a birthday cake and there's like a chocolate button or something on each slice and then you cut it up between them except instead of a chocolate button it's a (laughs) a
2: fish head. (laughs) I'm sure nowadays no one is going to be expected to eat the fish head. Although I mean sardines are quite small you could eat that whole. I mean yeah I'd Probably the fish head So yeah, there's there's not a lot of information about Stargazy Pie This is most of what I was able to find But I just, I want to know what the seven kinds of
0: fish In this traditional 23rd of December version are Oh
1: yeah! Does anyone Presumably
0: say? Presumably one of them is pilchards. But I, I didn't see any like lists of the fish. <laughs> Presumably it's a closely guarded secret of the, the
2: pub where they do it.
1: I, mean, I could probably only name seven kinds of fish.
2: So I guess it's those. I like think it's probably mostly white fish. How many fish are there? How many fish are there?
0: I'm I'm gonna go with several. <laughs> More than seven. Oh, I forgot to mention the name of the pub by the way. It's the Ship Inn in
2: Mousel. So okay. if you're ever nearby on the twenty third of December, known as Tom Balcox Eve
0: Um You can <laughs> you can go and eat this bizarre pie. So yeah, um I hope you enjoyed today's episode.
1: I certainly did.
0: (laughs) Um, (laughs) If you have an an episode suggestion or a local larder suggestion, you can
2: email us at breadandthreadpodcast at gmail.com. Or, like we said, you can tweet at us at breadandthread. No, I was meant to say that, wasn't I? You can tweet us at
1: breadandthread on Twitter.